Hello, this is Aaron Saft with the MR Running Pains podcast, episode number 102. Today, my guest is adaptive athlete and inclusion and diversity advocate, Zach Friedley. Zach is living in California and um, training for uh, trail racing. He is going to have some awesome opportunities this year, which we talk about. Um, we talked about being uh, an adaptive athlete, what that's like, what that entails, um, you know, all sorts of stuff. We get really um, <laughs> in-depth in this conversation. I really had a great time getting to know Zach. I didn't know him prior to the conversation. A mutual friend introduced us, and I really appreciate that introduction because I really walked away learning a lot about um, adaptive athletes and how we can um, <clears throat> make it more accessible for adaptive athletes to be a part of our sport, which, uh, as you'll hear, I am quite intrigued, and I think uh, we can do so making um, a, uh, a race uh, like Zach is hosting in April. So uh, don't forget to check out that race. It's on Ultra Sign Up, um, and uh, I'll put that in the show notes as well. And uh, man, just a real great conversation here. I'll catch up with you guys at the end of the episode, talk about everything else that's going on. But until then, enjoy my conversation with Zach Friedley. As I said in my introduction, today, uh, my guest, Zach Friedley. Zach is joining us from California. Medicino, is that right? Medicino, yep. Medicino. It's, it's, uh, it's great to, to meet you. Uh, well, virtually, but <laughs> totally. I'm excited for this conversation. Uh, everything's going okay about, out that way? Oh yeah. Everything's great. <laughs> awesome, man. Um, well, Zach, um, in my introduction, I talk a little bit about, uh, about you and, and what you do and, and why you're on this podcast, but please, you know, introduce yourself, tell us a little bit more about you and, and, uh, sure. so my name is Zach Friedley. I'm a professional adaptive athlete. I live in Mendocino, California. Um, I like to trailblade through the redwood forest is where most people see me out here. Um, but I'm also a advocate for diversity, equity, and inclusion in the trail running community. And in 2022, we got some pretty uh, exciting projects that we are working on um, to basically expand the opportunities for adaptive athletes in trail running. Um, so that's some of the things I'm really excited about for this upcoming year. Uh, it's awesome. Yeah. Well, let's just hop into the event. Um, can you talk yeah. a little bit about the, the event to start us off and then we'll, we'll deep dive more into you and what you've been up to. <laughs> sure. So me and Lewis Escobar. So Escobar is the race director for all we do is run events. You guys may have heard of him from the book born to run. Um, well, him and I are buddies and I've ran a couple of his events and uh, been on his podcast and we were just talking about adaptive athletes and some of the restrictions that we have about not having a division. And he basically said, Hey, let's, let's create this event. I'll help you be the race director for it. And so we created born to adapt. Um, and what born to adapt is it's going to be an adapted specific trail event. Um, and my audience that I'm trying to really engage are the people that maybe have never been on a trail in their life. Um, maybe they are just getting into running or, something. I, I really want to create a space for where they can come and enjoy a trail without some of the fear. Um, and we're just going to welcome these people and get them out there and do a 5k loop, um, for three hours or as long as you can. Um, and basically, uh, have awards and podiums and a swag bag and just make these people feel welcome on the trail. And my idea is similar to my own experience. Um, as you get out there on a trail, you experience it. And then you're like, Whoa, the whole world opens up. Um, maybe they'll get hooked and want to train for a 50 K or 
100 miler, just give them the opportunity for a place to come and enjoy the things that like you and I um, consider life-changing experiences. Absolutely. Yeah. And you've also got a, uh, uh, another piece of this. We've been remiss not to mention the, the 5k, the virtual 5k. Oh yeah. That's important too. So the virtual 5k is uh, an event that if you feel like inclined to support these athletes, you can sign up for the virtual 5k and that money is going to go back into the event. Cause a lot of people don't understand that adaptive athletes face a lot of financial hardships uh, just to start running the cost of blades, prosthetics, wheelchairs, crutches are over a thousand bucks. Um, things are very expensive for these athletes to even just be able to show up and to do this. So I'm going to use some of those funds uh, to help some people get out there. Um, you know, my, my big dream is to have enough money to have scholarships to completely cover the cost for these athletes to come out there and even maybe have podium prizes. Basically the things that you see athletes today um, running trails, I want to give the exact same opportunities to adaptive athletes, prize purses, swag bags, you know, all the things, the visibility, everything. Cause, um, I feel like we all, uh, need to have the same opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah, no. And, um, I will post in the show notes, the link to ultra signup, correct? That's the registration platform. Yep. And thank you. I just saw you signed up for the virtual 5k. <laughs> that I thank did. You. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I know. I always like to support causes. So I, that's a tremendous what you're doing. Um, so yeah, on ultra sign up, everybody can, you know, sign up for either event, the, uh, you know, the, the now, you know, correct me, the uh, three hour event is for adaptive athletes, correct? Yeah. I mean, it can be for anybody, but okay. it's, it's totally geared for adaptive athletes. Um, we're putting them first, you know, so we're creating everything for them. Um, and I just want to say, if anybody's listening, Born to Adapt is a series. I envision this happening all over the country, all over the world. Um, Born to Adapt at Born to Run is just our first event. But me and Lewis are looking to expand this all across the country and all across the world. So if you want to have a Born to Adapt event at your race, just hit me up. You know, this is, this is where, we are, where we are headed. We, we want to expand this. I would be interested in, in talking more about that whenever we have the side chance. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm an RD here in, in North Carolina. Um, and I, I think that would be tremendous. We have a, a good venue that could host something like that. So cool. um, that's really cool anyway. <laughs> so that's really cool what you guys are doing. Yeah. I'm super excited. I, I, you should be. There are so many avenues of everything you just said, but I, I guess we should kind of start back at square one with you. Um, can you just, let's start, you know, for, let's just say I am completely ignorant and I'm not sure what an adaptive athlete is. Can you just sure. go ahead and define what that is? So there's going to be many definitions because everybody is unique. Um, everybody has their own experience, but for me, I'm, I was born missing my leg above the knee. So I wear prosthetics um, and I've worn prosthetics my entire life. Um, and I wear particularly a blade to be able to run. So an adaptive athlete is somebody who uses some sort of equipment or they, they need some sort of special consideration when doing an activity. Um, there's many different types, you know, wheelchairs, people with CP, people missing limbs, people that are visually impaired. There's many different, um, ways to describe an adaptive athlete. So I'd say, um, mine is just, I wear a prosthetic above the knee, a blade. Um, and that's what I need to run and to live life. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so, um, we, 
we are starting to see more inclusion. You had talked about inclusion and diversity earlier. We're yep. starting to see it more and more in our sport. Um, uh, you know, we were talking before the show started about like Kyle Robido and, and he's yep. you know trying to create more of these um, uh, divisions within, you know, races that already exist. Totally. Um, do, do you feel and, uh, you know, how, how do you envision, um, because as you said, uh, an adaptive athlete can be a broad spectrum of athletes. Yep. Should there be subdivisions with? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You feel? Yeah, that's... totally. So you guys are maybe you have you ever followed the Paralympics? Yeah, sure. Um, so like for me, like sprinting, right? I used to uh, train for the 100 meter. Well, they have different classifications for these athletes. They got people that are missing their limbs below the knee, above the knee. There's many different um, classifications. And basically, uh, USA Track and Field classifies you. Um, in a class and then you compete against that class. So typically you'll see above knee people compete against above knee, below knee, competing against uh, the below knee, visually impaired, all the things. So there's, there's, a, there's a spectrum. Um, and, and so the system already exists. So in my, my mind, we don't have to reinvent anything. We can just take an already set up system and just basically copy and paste and trail running. You know, I think mm -hmm. We don't have to reinvent anything. We're not building spaceships or rockets. <laughs> um, it's already there. And the system um, has been around for a while and it gets tweaked um, every single year. We, they learn and they change things. But I envision, yeah, the same thing. You know, you go to a trail running event, you sign up and it asks you what classification you are. Maybe these athletes that are really competitive can show up to a USA track and field sanctioned event, get classified, and then their, your classification lasts for like two years. And boom, you know, it's, you just put that in whenever you're signing up on ultra sign up and it's right there. Um, and, and, and the, and the reason why this is important is, um, for visibility and like podium opportunities and sponsorships. So as an elite level athlete, when you're competing, um, you need things to compete. Um, so right now for me, for instance, when I'm talking to sponsors, they're setting up sponsorships based by podium opportunities. Like, Oh, here's your bonus for winning this race. Well, I don't have any opportunity to win any race or podium. So the whole sponsorship structure doesn't even really apply to me. Um, and I'm, you know, having to knock on a lot of doors to get sponsorship rather than people coming out and seeking me out. And I um, really want to create this thing. So I, these adaptive athletes in the future have these opportunities to compete and do these things. And it starts from the top all the way to the bottom, to the entry level. Um, so we can see more people like myself out there. And is that where the uh, Mendocino movement project comes in? Yeah. So the Mendocino movement project was something I created a couple of years back. Um, I went through some life changes. I, I had kind of um, uprooted myself from where I was born and raised in Kansas city, Missouri, and started traveling around the country and ended up in California um, saw a shaman multiple times, still see this guy. And he changed my life in a way it was super profound. And I found myself just having a lot of energy, um, towards making some changes in the world and through my own experience of not having prosthetics for about a year and not being able to move. We formed the Mendocino movement project with the mission of providing, um, movement for people that have physical challenges. And that's very broad because there's many different things I want to do. I want to help people get the same resources for prosthetics that I have. I want to create events like born to adapt. I want to have retreats and just work with people um, that identify as physically challenged and basically kind of open up the things that have changed my life um, and give them the same access to that stuff. So um, it's, it's a real big passion of mine. 
it's what I do nine to five. You know, I, I am a professional athlete. I train, but I also network and, and I'm running a nonprofit. Cool. Um, and it, and you might be able to speak only from your own experience, but, um, you know, when we talk about prosthetics, because a, a lot of folks won't understand what goes into the cost of the prosthetic. Oh, yeah. Can you talk about that for a moment? Yeah. So not all prosthetics are created equal. Not all people that make prosthetics have the same knowledge. So there's so many different things available and not available to people. And I'll just share a little bit about my prosthetics experience. So I live in um, Mendocino, California, and I have to travel to Kansas City, Missouri to get my legs made. Um, and that's partly because the guy that makes my legs, we've had a, a relationship that's been built over, you know, 10 or 15 years. And um, he's just an expert and works for me. So I have to fly there multiple times a year. Um, I have to block out a week um, and go there and spend time. And we work on the prosthetic, you know, and these, I'd probably say in the last 12 months, my prosthetics cost has probably been over 50,000 bucks. Um, just based upon how much I use it and things are always changing, things are always breaking, wear and tear happens quick. Um, so it's, it's a lot of money to keep me running. Um, you know, you have flights, missed time from work, um, just being away from friends and family and having to pay the actual cost. So it's very expensive. Um, and this goes around the board. Um, you know, most of these blades, uh, people have to get grants, you know, insurance doesn't cover that stuff because it's, it's not like a necessity. So there's a lot of things that are in the way of an adaptive athlete, even being able to have that opportunity. So it's part of my mission to make things a little bit more accessible to them um, to kind of relinquish some of that financial burden um, and just have them have the basic human. I think it's a basic human right to be able to move your body. So jumping through all these hoops and all this stuff, it's frustrating. Um, and I know not everybody has the same access that I have. So I want to be able to share that and spread that around. Yeah, absolutely. Is there, um, and forgive me for my ignorance, but like, would you have uh, a separate prosthetic for daily life versus your, your running blade? Typically, yes. Um, most people have that, but for me, I run so much and my body is set up. So, um, so I run, I don't have a walking leg. My walking leg is my running leg. And that's because, um, I run pretty much six days a week. I'm out in the woods. I'm out running really crazy terrain. So in my mind, I want to wear my running prosthetic 24 seven, because I'm essentially training to run Western States 100 in the next couple of years. And I know that I'm going to be wearing my leg for probably 30 hours, um, nonstop. So I want to be completely connected to my prosthetic in a way that is, it's just my everyday life. So I have my running prosthetic built into my everyday life. Can you talk a little bit about the fitting process? Cause I imagine, you know, with the, with that goal in mind that the fit would be extremely important. Oh, so it, what goes into that? A lot. So it's always changing. Things are evolving. So how I got fitted when I was like, you know, 15 years old is different now because of uh, technology. And actually I uh, just got a new leg socket part made um, back in December. And we used a method that we never used before. They have this machine. I forget the name, something, something called symphony and it's basically from germany and basically we put casting plaster around my limb they call it a residual limb so that's my limb that's missing the knee and they plaster it and then they raise this machine up over my limb and it pumps water into this membrane so it compresses this water membrane around the, the wet plaster to get this mold of my leg and then that mold is made for like a test socket 
And then I put that on and then we walk around and they make markings on this clear thing. And we're just like shaping this thing. Um, so there's many models until the final ones come out. Um, so we went through one test socket and then it was such a great imprint that we only had to do one test socket. And then they built a carbon frame and I went out and started running around and it was the best one I've ever had. Um, this new technology that they've made just made a lot of the like stinging points on my limb that usually happen um, from all the repetitive motions of running went away. Um, so it was, you know, I've only had it for six weeks now and I've had some of the best runs of my life in the last six weeks. Um, you know, I had to relearn my body a little bit because my gait changed. Lots of things change, um, whenever you get a new limb. Um, so there's a lot of like adapting, you know, adaptive athletes. There's a lot of adapting that you have to do. It's just part of it. Um, but this, this one I have now is amazing. And I was watching one of your videos online um, of you moving through some of the trails um, and the, you know, the ambulation that it requires to, to move the leg because you don't have the, the flexibility in the, in the prosthetic itself. Talk yeah. about that for a minute. Like how, <laughs> how demanding is that and how challenging was that to, to learn? And, and I mean, I'm yeah. sure it's freeing, but at the same time, challenging. Yeah, it is challenging, but I don't know if I recognize it as like a challenge because I was born this way. So this is like my normal. Um, so I, I've just been this way forever. You know, I, I, I think it's really important to recognize my running really changed when I turned about 33, 34. I started doing some inner work um, with a guy named Fred Mittower, who does um, basically deep somatic work through your body. It's like connecting your mind, body and soul and doing a lot of things. So my inside my inside shifted and a lot of, um, how I carry myself and the energy around myself changed. So my body interacting with the earth changed. So like my relationship with gravity changed. Um, and like, even what fuels me instead of like trying to prove something like I was in my, you know, prior to 33. Um, now I'm just out there moving my body because I can, and I want to. So I think when I'm moving through nature now, it's kind of a flow and it helps me move over roots and rocks and i'm just like present in my body and i'm grateful the whole time and it changes the whole experience so i'm able to cover really um you know intense ground um so i think a lot of it has to do with how things are inside um and then of course your body um so there's a lot of things going on here um and as my um partner would say uh i dream running she can tell when i'm running and it happens like every night. So I'm like always cruising down a trail or something. Um, so there's just a lot of mindfulness in it, I, I think. Um, and of course, learning the blade and stuff. But it, for me, it's just fun to have these things. And I'm, I feel really um, like privileged to be in this position to have this experience. And that's why I want to share it. Yeah. Well, it, you know, let's, let's go back first. Um, what was the impetus to, to start trail running? Um, well, like I said, so I, I moved around my turn 30, I uprooted myself from what I've was born and raised and found myself in Northern California, um, in the Redwood forest, which is a pretty magical place. And I was there for, I was here for two years before I started to run. Um, I thought running was over because I wasn't training for like any Paralympic team. Um, there was no podium for me to be on per se. So running was done. And I started doing that work with Fred and started having a new relationship with my body. And through that, I broke all my prosthetics that I had. And the only one I had left was this blade. 
So I put the blade on and started moving around on beaches and stuff. And it was just a different experience. And I kept coming back for more, trying to figure out like, whoa, how does my body move like this? And one thing led to another. Um, I ended up going to Born to Run 2019. Um, I had just gotten a new leg made then. I'd spent about a year and a half without a prosthetic because I broke them all. And I got a new one made in April of uh, 2019. And then um, went to Born to Run 2019 with the sole intention to hand out coffee to the runners because I had just started a nonprofit. We just partnered with this coffee company. There was coffee that was associated with the nonprofit. So my goal was to go there with five pounds of coffee, get up in the morning and give amazing coffee to runners. Well, while I was there, I ended up signing up for a 10 mile trail run, completely freaked out, never run more than three miles, never on a trail. Um, so I didn't even know that I could even do this thing. But I did, and I crossed the finish line, and I got emotional and cried and was just like kind of caught off guard that that had happened, you know. Um, and in that moment, it really opened up the world to me. I looked at national parks um, as not just this like thing that I drive through, but now I can go there and I can run through these things and see these awesome landscapes. So it just opened up the world to me in a way that was profound. You know, imagine a kid in a candy store or something, or you walk into this like Lego place. Well, that's what the world was to me all of a sudden in my thirties. Um, so it just opened it up in a new complete way. And um, that's why it's really important for me to get this experience out there for other adaptive athletes. Um, so they can experience the same things that helped, you know, change me. Absolutely. That's, you know, I mean, part of being an RD um, and I'm sure you'll experience this as well is is experiencing others, finishes um i've i'll never forget the most impactful um you know person that crossed the finish line (laughs) my my listeners will probably laugh because i i get really emotional (laughs) she had just beat cancer she was cancer free came across the line she said you don't know how much this finisher medal means to me totally and (laughs) we both just cried because it was beautiful and, you know, to share that moment and to, to be able to express, you know, how grateful I was to provide that opportunity that she could be there and, and finish, uh, you know, and get a simple medal. It was just such a moment. And so I, I truly understand what you mean by, by sharing this with others. Totally. And you've had some great opportunities. Um, you've, you got to travel. Why don't you talk about your travels and what you've got to see? Yeah. So, I mean, I grew up in Kansas City, Missouri. I lived there for 30 years. I envisioned that I'd probably never leave, but I did leave and got to experience some life on the East coast, some life up in Humboldt County, California, and then finally settled in Mendocino, you know, and then I met Fred and me and Fred did some inner work um, and things, values in my life started changing. You know, my goal maybe used to be to make a lot of money. And then my goal shifted to let's change a lot of lives. You know, I realized and recognized that I had the ability to really touch people in a way. And I really followed it. And that took me uh, to India, um, where I spent some time in an ashram up in um, Hardwar, which is in the province of Uttarakhand, which is at the foothills of the Himalayas. And I spent some time there with uh, a Mahatma, his name is Mahatma Fakirananji. And he basically um, kind of shared some life wisdom with me and we meditated and I learned how to meditate and, and just did the whole thing there. And it changed me profoundly, um, you know, being there and seeing a different um, kind of lifestyle and what those people go through and also seeing people there that are missing limbs 
that absolutely don't have the same opportunities as I do. So it really opened me up to an entire new world and really, um, really uh, ignited my heart to continue my mission to help other people. Um, you know, so spending the time there was huge for me and I built a relationship with them. I'm actually friends with the minister of tourism there. And eventually after COVID, um, we, my like big dreams to go back there and really facilitate some prosthetics for people that, that have no one, there's no, they can't get on a computer and look up the challenge athletes foundation or Mendocino movement, you know, like there's nobody helping these people. Um, so it's, it's I really envision myself being there and facilitating some stuff, you know? Um, so traveling around the world is really important. Um, and, and seeing other, how other people live rather than just, you know, sitting there and seeing how you live. Right. Cause I mean, we're not just talking about sport. We're, we're talking oh, yeah. about just daily living. I mean, for, for me, you know, like you, you we're on here and we're talking about maybe I'm going to run a hundred miler and I'm doing all these things and all the, all that stuff, you know, that's, that's great. But what about the people that just want to have a normal life and maybe cook food for their family and run around with their kids? To me, that's more important than what I'm trying to do, you know, but for whatever reason, society really puts the people doing these crazy things on a pedestal and, you know, and we kind of forget about the people that just want to live a life. Um, so I want to be able to co compete at these big things and have this big platform, but at the same time, redeflect that energy for the people um, that are just trying to live life. That's great perspective. Uh, that is, that's, I mean, that's wonderful that we keep in mind that there's just folks just trying to get by. Um, yeah. That's, that's tremendous. Um, you had mentioned the, the coffee company that kind of, you know, helped build this. Yeah. You know, why don't you talk about that relationship and where that stemmed from? Yeah, that was awesome. That, this is one of those things the universe just delivered. Um, I, so I was going through my transformation by doing that deep somatic work with Fred. And then people started entering my life. And one of those people was Paul Katziff. He is the co-founder of Thanksgiving Coffee Company. And they've been around since 1972. And basically, Paul uses his coffee company to support these causes all over the world, from gorillas in the Congo to save the wild horses, save the wolves. Um, he's got projects um, for clean water in Uganda. And I met this guy in my small town here up on the coast of Mendocino. And him and I started a relationship. He came into the store I was working at, which was the Verizon store. I was the phone guy in our town. So I got to meet a lot of people in our community. And me and Paul went out and started playing catch with each other. Um, and Paul at the time was 80 years old. Um, so it was interesting for me to be, you know, mid thirties, hanging out with a guy in his eighties, throwing the ball around. And he was just telling me about his life and his journey. And it really resonated with me. You know, he was from New York. He uprooted when he was 30, went across the country, started, you know, finding out things and settled in Mendocino. Um, and he really gave me the permission I needed that I recognized him as like a, a successful person and he helped people. Um, so he was the guy that when all these things started to come to me about nonprofit and people with prosthetics and all this stuff, and I would go to him, we'd play catch and I'd be like, Hey, this is what I'm thinking. And he'd be like, go for it, go for it. He was the guy that had his hand on my back, just pushing me forward. Um, and now Paul is the president of our nonprofit. Um, you know, he's, he's a mentor of mine and, and he's seen the thing grow. And um, yeah, Thanksgiving coffee was a huge part of that. Um, and it was funny. I didn't even know whenever I met Paul, um, he told me about his coffee company and I went home and sure enough, I had Thanksgiving coffee in my 
in my cabinet. And I was like, <laughs> Oh my God, I met that guy. And I just became really connected to his story and it really inspired me. That's great. Um, have you been inspired by other, um, you know, like adaptive athletes? Oh yeah. Um, I mean, for sure. Like I competed in the, uh, like Paralympic level track. So there was people there, um, that I, that inspired me, but like right now I'm inspired by Adam pop. Most people don't know him. Um, he's, he's, he's very quiet. Um, not on social media very much, but he's an above knee just like me. And he's a savage. I'm talking like he's done a hundred miler. Um, he did tunnel hill 100. Um, he went to UTMB last year and ran the, um, OCC, which I believe is the 50 K one. And he met, he made it to like mile 25, which is insane for an above knee, you know? So he's the guy, when I come up with these things in my head that I want to do, and I see somebody doing it, um, and it's important to see that, you know, and even me, um, I recognize that it's important for me to see that, that this stuff can be done. So it makes me even more up to, uh, to, to like go run a mountain because there could be some 12 year old kid needing to see that, um, to, you know, be like, Oh, I, this is what I can do. Um, so yeah, Adam pop is somebody I definitely look up to, um, as far as an adaptive athlete goes. Um, if there was a poster of him, I could probably hang it up in my room. <laughs> I, I, my first, um, encounter at an ultra with an adaptive athlete was at Badwater, the 135. Um, he, um, he was on the film, um, running on the sun. They have like an old movie of Badwater and he's on there. And we came across him crossing, I think it was Pinament Valley. And, you know, he's just moving along, doing his thing. I, he had a huge blister. I mean, you can only imagine trying to run through Death Valley, you know, yeah. with, you know, with a prosthetic. Totally. Um, and he was, I want to say he's, I can't remember if he's above the knee or below the knee, but either way, you know, he, he, he was, he was doing it and he finished. It was incredible. And I, I it wasn't, wow. obviously it wasn't his first finish because this wasn't the year totally. they were filming it, you know, and. And then I heard he was doing the DECA Ironman, which is 10 Ironmans in a row in Mexico. Who is so, this guy? God, I have to look up his name again. Um, I will look that up and get I'd back. I'd be very here. interested to see who that is. Yeah. he. Um, so the way a DECA works is you do all disciplines, you know, one at a time. So you would swim whatever the, I, I, I'm sorry. It's two like point, two, two point. Yeah, two point. Yeah. So you would swim that 10 times in a row. Then you would go on your bike and do the bike 10 times in a row. Then you would get into, they have a loop because you're in this closed area. So it was just, it was a swimming pool that you did laps in literally. And then Whoa. you biked around the, you know, the facility and then you ran around the facility, 10 marathons. So he got, he was getting Achilles problems from pushing off the pool because he had trained totally. open water and, you know, because he had to push off the pool each lap, he was really wearing that Achilles. So he got on the bike and was able, I think I, he even got into the running, but his Achilles just was so sore. I don't think he actually finished the running part, but to do that much, this, this guy was, I absolutely, I, I loved hearing his stories. He was just so yeah. vibrant, so full of life and just wanted every challenge. Um, I'll have to look up his name again. Totally. I'll get that name to you. Cause he was, he was amazing. Um, there, there's another adaptive athlete I forgot about uh, really important to me. Um, his name's Terry Fox. Do you know about him? Of course. Yeah. Ran across Canada. Yeah, totally. So Terry yeah. Fox is like my spirit animal. Um, <laughs> I have his books. Um, you know, when things start to get rough for me, um, I think of Terry Fox and what he did. So what most people probably don't 
realize is like in 1982, when he did this, the prosthetic he had, if I had to wear that right now, I'm not even kidding you. I wouldn't even walk in it. I'd be like, no, I'm not doing that. I would get crutches. So for him to, to run a marathon a day for over three months was next level. Um, probably had no nutritional information, probably wasn't doing the stuff that we do now. He was just getting out there, getting after it. Um, and he had a, he had a nonprofit, he had a foundation. Um, and now, um, most people, I don't know if they know, but Terry Fox died during that three month trip because cancer came back and he passed on and his foundation lives today. And they've raised over half a billion dollars for cancer research for children, which is huge. Absolutely. That's incredible. Yeah, no, the Fox's story is, is just incredible. Um, they've got the, the statue, you know, oh, yeah. yeah, you'll see that from time to time in, uh, uh, I didn't learn about him until I was at Born to Run 2019. We're sitting around a campfire somewhere and someone's like, oh yeah, you know, Terry Fox. And I'm like, no, it was, it was a guy from Canada. Cause you know, in Canada, every, all the Canadians, everybody knows who Terry Fox is. He's like, he's like their Michael Jordan. Um, they think he even has a holiday maybe that they don't even go to work. I'm sure. <laughs> um, so like whenever he brought him up, I didn't even know about him. And I remember leaving Born to Run 2019 and like Googling this guy, cause we didn't have service at, at this place, you know? So, um, I left and searched this guy and was like, Oh my God, like this is next level. So I've been connected with him and his story ever since then. Have you connected, uh, you know, in, um, in ultra running circles, we all know Dave Mackey's story. Oh yeah. Have you connected with Dave? I have. Yeah. Yeah. And, sure. Um, has, I'm, I'm sure you could provide much more to Dave than, than, you know, well, he could probably provide some good information to you, but totally. that's um, how did that connection happen? Um, I don't remember the first time. I think a lot of people would be like, cause you know, people see blades and they just, they kind of associate you with who they know with the blade. And a lot of people know Dave. Um, so I think maybe my buddy, Chris Brown, who is a runner, mentioned him to me. And then I think I'm out of looked him up and like saw his story on YouTube. Um, and then within the last year, we were on a call with the um, American trail running association. And he was on that call and we got to connect. Um, yeah. He's, he's a complete legend, you know, doing, yeah. he, he um, what did he do this summer? Leadville. And then he did the grand Canyon. He did the rim to rim to rim, um, which is really interesting. Cause he did, he had the FKT for that back in like 2008 right. when he, yep. when he, when he had both legs and, and then he did it again with the, with the blade. And he was like, yeah, this was like three times tougher with it, you know? Yes. Um, so it was really cool to, to like get that belt. Not that I need a validation thinking that running with a blade is tough, but a guy who was at the top of his game, you know, telling yeah. the world, like, yeah, this is way harder with a blade than it was with two legs. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, he's an animal. Yes. Yeah. I, it's, I mean, to see him go through lead man, you know, um, and do lead man, that was, that was pretty incredible to totally do, you know, the, both the, the biking and the, the hundred miler, um, let alone the I other. I didn't races. know he, he biked it too, huh? Jeez. Yeah. So lead man series is, is mountain biking as well as running. Um, which is, I mean, that just incredible, like, you know, to do that. Um, do you do, um, I imagine you do, um, other sports as well. I saw in your video that you, you know, you were, um, you did other sports, but do you do like cycling? I saw like you were at a pool, but, um, so, you, yeah, have so you done? I, I have a mountain bike. I have, um, I just got it actually last summer. Haven't used it as much as I'd like because I run 
uh, six days a week and I do a lot of recovery. So there's just not enough time in a day sometimes. Um, but I do have a mountain bike. Um, I have a thermal wetsuit that I've yet to use, but I'm, I'm prepared to <laughs> enter big river and do some cold water swimming, um, soon. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think I do like other sports, but I would say mainly right now it's, it's running mixed with stability, strength training. Um, and then hopefully in the future, me and Paul can still play some, some, uh, baseball <laughs> catch. I love just putting a glove on and throwing the ball around, you know? Yep. Yeah. There's just something about it that brings back like being a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, I, I grew up a Yankees fan cause I, I grew up in New York and, uh, I grew up watching Jim Abbott. I don't know if you ever oh, yeah. remember yeah, oh, Jim yeah. Abbott with, uh, he had one hand yep. and so, you know, he would have his glove on the non, you know, the arm with not that did yeah. not have the hand. And then he would pitch and, you know, then put his hand into the glove to, to totally. field if need be. I, I just, he was an amazing pitcher. Uh, so here's it. something that I forget to talk about a lot. I'm actually missing fingers on my right hand. Uh, I was born with my fingers connected. I've had several surgeries um, to help my mobility with my right hand. Um, you know, uh, I had a surgery when I was in third grade, surgery when I was like six months old. So when I was like in second or third grade playing t-ball, I had a hard time, you know, throwing the ball and like using that hand. So there was a, a moment in my life when I had to catch the ball with my left hand, put the glove underneath my right armpit, reach underneath there and grab the ball with my left and throw. Um, and I remember being a kid and then like talking about Jim Abbott. Um, but then enough surgeries had it to where I could throw the ball with my right hand. But now I can actually catch both, um, throw both. I can bat both. Nice. Um, I think I was born right-handed. But okay. since I had some issues with my right hand, I just basically learned how to be left-handed. Um, but you can tell that I was like definitely destined to be a right-hander um, based upon my left-handed golf swing. It's insane. <laughs> um, you know, when I first started playing golf, uh, they, I would just assume I was left-handed and it was disaster. And then on like hole four somewhere, somebody's like, have you ever tried right-handed? And I'm like, no, they're like, here. So I did it and like immediately was like, bink. I was like, well, maybe I am a right-handed golfer. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I, not to the same extent, but um, in college, I broke my, my right elbow in a steeplechase yeah. um, on the track. And my friends are like, let's go play disc golf. And I was like, my right arm's down there, like play lefty. And I'm like, Oh God. So, you know, trying to throw lefty, it was, it was real bad. And then as soon as it healed and I could start throwing righty again, it was a whole game changer. So yeah, totally. it's, it's amazing when you figure out what side is, is, totally. is the right one. Um, that's fantastic. Um, well, talk about the Paralympics. What, what has that experience been for you? What, uh, and you have a good potential in, in was it 2024? Um, yeah, I don't know. People keep saying that. Is there, is that somewhere out there that I have? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, your video actually on the website, uh, I just, <laughs> um, let me hold on one second. I can, uh, hold, let me go back to your website real quick. Um, it is on the, um, so when I watched the trailblader video, Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They talk about it on there. Yeah. So that was made back before I was really getting into trail running and, okay. I, was, and I was maybe going to do some like paratriathlon stuff. Um, but I don't think, I think my Paralympic days are gone. Um, I mean, my, my coach would probably love for me to do that because <laughs> my running coach is a team USA paratriathlon head coach. Um, 
So there was a time when they were recruiting me to be a paratriathlete. I went and trained at the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs. Um, but I don't know, I'm really dialed into trail running um, and just really like that experience. And, you know, my big goals, I think, are to run in Western states one day. Um, I just found out yesterday I'm running in UTMB this year. I'm doing the MCC. Cool. Um, so that's pretty huge for me. Absolutely. That's a wonderful um, experience. Yeah, I'm really stoked for that. So my schedule is unfolding right now, but Paralympic, I, I support those athletes tremendously, but I don't think I'll ever um, try to make a team ever in, unless they, unless they add trail running. You never know. <laughs> nice. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> then, you never know. Then, then, I, then I'm there. There you go. That's awesome. Um, what is the furthest distance you've, you've gone this far? 25 and a half miles. Okay. Um, and that was at big river where I trained. Um, and that was during a train run. I did make it to mile like 24 at Zion 50 K, um, before I had to DNF. Um, so there was a, for a while, my bar was, um, like at 25 miles. I just had a really hard time getting over that. Um, but with this new leg, I just got made. Um, I can't really see my ceiling anymore. I can't feel it because it just feels so good. Um, that I'm pretty certain this year is going to be the year I cross the finish line of an ultra. Um, I'm definitely going to try, you know, and my big thing is I probably could have crossed at Zion, but I wasn't hundred percent sure that I could do it without injuring myself. Um, so injuries are like our number one goal. Me and my coach, she puts this into my brain over and over again. Zach's number one goal is to not get injured. <laughs> if I can't guarantee that I'm not going to get injured, then I don't do it. Um, because downtime for me, you know, I only have one leg. If I broke my ankle or did something, it's not a good uh, spot to be in. Um, so my goal, every time I go train, every time I go run is to make sure that I can do it again the next day. Now there'll be times, you know, like up in Oregon, I did the sisters, I think it was called the old Cascadia, uh, 20 miler. Okay. So I did that and I was down for like two or three days. So we have sometimes an arrangement. My coach will be like, all right, you can do this. Um, your max downtime is going to be four days. So on my mind, on my calculating, you know, th that, and I'll push a little bit harder, but typically it's all about my body and preventing injury and making sure that I'm able to recover and continue doing this. That's awesome. Uh, and so, um, the, uh, MCC, um, that one is, is that the 50 K that's a 42 K 40 something. It's like a marathon. Okay. So it's a marathon. Okay. That's the one that's basically for, um, like companies, the actual company that got me this, I have a partnership with buff uh, USA and they're mm -hmm. a sponsor. So they got me in as like nice. part of that group. It's for, it's for volunteers, um, that volunteer for the UTMB. It's for, um, the companies that are there supporting it. That's cool. Um, and I think maybe like the people in the town can even run it. Nice. Yeah. No, it's, it's, uh, Chamonix is magical. It's a awesome. Yeah, I'm place. super stoked. Yeah, you should be. <laughs> it was a great experience. Uh, so I, I look forward to that for you. I, I, I can't wait to hear that, how that goes. Um, what are the other plans you have for, for this year? You said things are unfolding. Anything else in the works? Yeah. So, um, we're doing born to adapt. Um, that's coming up in April. Um, so that's something very huge. And then I have a couple speaking engagements. I'll be speaking at a couple of the run shows, uh, like run show USA in Chicago and maybe LA I'm putting together like a keynote speech. Um, that's going to kind of talk about the things that changed my life. Um, you know, it's going to be involved about running, but I think more importantly, some of the techniques that I use to like transform my inner 
self. Um, I think that could help a lot of people, whether they're runners or not. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. I got a couple other races that are on the schedule. I really want to be a part of some sort of like golden trail series, um, Spartan trail world championships. I want to be, I want to win something. I want to like get on a podium somewhere. And even though that doesn't exist yet, I'm just going to show up to these places, man. And, um, eventually we'll have that stage and you'll see uh, like lots of, 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 uh, people with blades on the trails. A lot of people, when they see me, um, they've never seen another blade runner on a trail. And I think that's got to change, you know, um, like at Zion this year, that was my first ultra. I was out there for like over 10 hours and the whole day I heard, Oh, wow, man, I've never seen another person with a blade, you know, or whatever. And that was super cool for like five minutes. <laughs> but, but then, you know, me being me, I was like, man, that is messed up as the sunrise is happening and it's Zion. You're like, dude, what is this place? Like, this is magical. I was getting goosebumps and tingly feelings. And I just couldn't help but think about all the other people that are in a situation like me, they should be able to experience this. So that was kind of when it started, you know? So this year is all about visibility, creating the awareness, getting to these big, huge ultra events, um, and competing and even supporting my peers. You know, I'm going to be a, a crew member of a couple of my friends this year. Um, so I'm really excited about that. My, my, I have like, I call her my professional pacer. Um, her name's Katie. She actually won the Rio del Lago 100 this year. Um, I was there crewing her. Uh, she's a badass. She came in top three, first female. Um, she's amazing. So I plan on supporting her at her events. Um, and she, you know, uh, comes and paces me at these huge events that I am interested in. That's awesome. All right. Well, so let's, uh, let's kind of go into how, um, how as a person and then as a runner and then as an RD, can I be more inclusive towards adaptive athletes? Um, I think just putting it out there, um, you know, like elevating people's stories, for instance, you know, on social media, um, just really thinking about those people um, and helping elevate their stories as a person, you know, or advocating with companies when you work with companies, like let's say somebody's going to sponsor your podcast, kind of asking them like, hey, um, what's your engagement with the adaptive athlete community or the LGBTQ community, all the marginalized groups that exist, um, really um, asking companies that you work with what their plan is and they don't have a plan. That's great. Let me introduce you to maybe me, maybe my buddy Vasu, who's a steer for the North face. These people are here um, to give you a plan to help elevate these things and make these things actually possible. Um, as, as a race director, I think uh, including adaptive athletes in your divisions, reaching out to these people, inviting them to come to your race, understanding that they probably have financial hardships um, because, you know, their stuff's really expensive. So keeping that in mind, maybe offering scholarships to come to your place, um, just really putting them and giving them the opportunity to show up and be there, um, is huge. Um, and just, um, yeah, just being welcoming, I think. Awesome. Awesome, man. Would we be remiss to not mention anything else, anything else that we haven't touched on or talked about? Um, I don't know. Um, we covered a lot of stuff, didn't we? We sure did. <laughs> we sure did. And I, and I certainly appreciate the conversation, man. Um, and so 
Uh, I'm going to put a ton of stuff in the show notes on all of the stuff that, that Zach mentioned, but Zach, if people want to, you know, connect with you, what's the best way to do so? Probably Instagram or, um, yeah, Zachary underscore movement. I'm pretty active on there. I do have a TikTok as well. Zachary underscore movement, but yeah, I'd say find me on there. Um, and I'm, I'm available for conversations, you know, especially with athletes and people that want to support these things and, um, race directors, you know, I really think it's important to have these conversations. Um, I'm, I feel like I'm really approachable, um, in this, you know, I want to see these things succeed. Um, so I'm open to questions and how things can be done differently. And, you know, I really want to spend this year creating this adaptive athlete division and making it a possibility, you know, to where it's all across the board, just not with born to adapt. You know, I envision one day where Western States has this, you know, where you're going to see, these athletes out there um, running with blades and crutches and whatever, however you, however you move your body and people are following them like Jim's like, you know, Jim Wamsley or according to Walter, you're going to have adaptive athletes that you're going to know by first and last name. You know, I just want them to be in the mix. I want them to get like sponsorships. Like, you know, what is a pro, what is a pro athlete? What does that even mean? You know, why don't we have more pro athletes that are in the adaptive athlete community you know, th these are the questions that I want to have um, come up and just have these conversations. Absolutely. And, you know, as I said, you'll, you'll hear from me about including uh, born to adapt, um, you know, into, uh, into my race or even making up a race so that we could. Yeah. Lewis and I, that's what our goal is. So we're going to have this event April 16th. Um, we're going to, you know, put it on and then we're going to come back and sit down together, him and I, and we're going to make, you know, like a document that can go out to all the race directors that are affiliated with ATRA um, and beyond and basically be like, here's the blueprint, guys. Here's what worked. Here's what didn't work. You know, it's kind of um, a fluid thing where we're going to figure it out. It, cool. it may not be done perfectly right away, but we're definitely going to have a lot of information available for everybody um, to basically have a how-to. Because, um, I mean, we don't know either, um, but we're going to figure it out. You know, I have ideas, but I also you know, want to engage the rest of the community and get more ideas and to have this thing. Cause I, I feel like there could be like entry level races, like born to adapt, but then you have races that already exist, you know, maybe like Lake Sonoma where you extend cutoff times, maybe for adaptive athletes, you have people at aid stations a little bit longer. You allow pacers for certain people. That's something that I didn't really cover. Um, it's how important it is for, for me to have a pacer at a big event because I'm already managing multiple things. I'm managing my prosthetic, my nutrition, my body, um, the course navigating. So to have a pacer there with me, um, and give them like five things to manage for me just kind of takes a lot off my plate to where I can stay right here. Cause as you know, as the race continues, your brain starts to not work as right. Um, you know, so to have that person there, you know, monitoring some things that you maybe forget helps. So having races that have that in mind, like, all right, these people need to have pacers. Maybe they need to be allowed trekking poles or stuff like that. You know, I don't think there's a big change that needs to be made. Just an awareness of, all right, these people are here. This is what, this is what is actually happening. Um, you know, for like the big races, maybe like a Western States or something. Um, but just having the option to have these people there. Yes. That's awesome, man. That's, <laughs> I love it. So I, Zach, thank you so much for, for coming on for your time and for sharing all this and for doing all the work that you're doing. 
I certainly wish you tremendous success and I hope you have a great yeah. time this year. And I look forward to, to seeing how the, uh, the race unfolds for you. For sure. Thanks for having me on this platform to, to like share these things and create the awareness and the visibility. It's huge. Absolutely. Thanks dude. Thank you. Once again, thank you, Zach, for coming on and discussing everything with us. Um, what a ambassador for the sport! Uh, it's just I pulled a lot away from the epi- the uh, uh, the conversation with Zach. So, um, but um, don't forget to check out his Born to Adapt three hour challenge in five k uh, on April sixteenth. That is on Ultra Signup. Again, I'll put a link <clears throat> in the show notes. Uh, and and you know, give Zach a follow. Check him out. He's on Strava. I followed him on Strava. He's on Instagram. Um, really great to, to support him and what he's doing and along with the other athletes, uh, that are, you know, that are really making way in our sport. It's amazing to see. So thank you, Zach, for all you're doing for inclusion, diversity, um, and for making a push to make adaptive athletics, uh, more of a part of trail running, such a, an awesome adventure. So thank you very much. Um, so far as everything else goes, my goodness, um, I am feeling pretty much back to normal. Um, if you've been listening, I was going through just a a strange spell, couldn't figure out what was going on. Um, but, uh, I've made a huge focus just to get some sleep and eat right and hydrate. (laughs) Um, you know, just make sure I'm not getting overstressed. Just, you know, trying to control the variables I can and it's really made a difference. I am feeling so much better. Um, I did take some downtime from running. I've been building back up. Um, as I record this, it is um, January 19th, Wednesday, January 19th. Um, this episode releases on the 20th and I just got off the road, just did a fartlek run, um, you know, and, and really challenged myself. Um, uh, made some really good hills in the fartlek. Uh, our trails are still covered in snow and ice. So usually I would do this type of workout on the dirt, but, um, you know, due to the circumstances, uh, you know, I don't have that, uh, that luxury to, uh, to be able to do it on the trails right now. So just did it on the roads, but, um, chose some good hills to try to, you know, make sure that we're a part of this fartlek. Um, didn't really worry about how long the intervals were, um, or, you know, how fast they were. It just went off effort. The only thing I looked at my watch for was on the recoveries to make sure my heart rate returned down to low one twenties, just to make sure I was recovering, um, and not pushing through too hard. Um, I did get a little bit higher than I, well, I got a lot higher than I should have in exertional levels. Um, I chose a hill and just pushed it, you know, just grinded it. And I really pushed myself to the, you know, to the point of exhaustion, which, you know, I, you never want to do in a workout. Um, but on, you know, on the flip side, it felt good to finally run to failure. Um, I know that sounds extremely weird, but, um, you know, with my background in, you know, in, in collegiate running and, and all the running I've done, uh, it's been a while since I've pushed myself to that extent where I was just like, whoa, my legs are, you know, my body's just toast. Um, but I recovered. That's the amazing thing. Um, you know, I jogged back downhill, got the heart rate back down and then did another interval and, and cooled down. Um, and you know, I recovered, which was awesome. Um, again, here I am, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the end of one. Um, I'm doing my, uh, level three certification for the Lydiard foundation and, uh, for coaching. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm training myself in the Lydiard way. Uh, and again, you know, I did go too hard today. I will note that, but, um, you know, I'm in my base aerobic phase, which fartlicks, uh, can be a huge part 
Um, I shouldn't have been, you know, in the uh, above the 85% maximum heart rate, but I, I definitely was um, pushed a little bit more today. Just I just felt like doing it. Quads were a little bit tired. I had a really good long run on Sunday. Um, I call it the hilly neighborhood. Um, it's just this development that's, you know, but a mile away from my house. And man, um, I did a three hour run. Um, did a little over 16 and a half miles, uh, but I got like over 4,000 feet of vertical gain, uh, just in a, a road neighborhood. Um, you know, just, it's just constant climbs, you know, good long climbs, uh, you know, maybe three quarters of a mile climbs, something to that extent, but, you know, gaining over 500 feet, you know, 500 to 700 feet per climb. Uh, so it was, you know, for a neighborhood, pretty, pretty amazing. Um, so I was really pleased with that. I ran the whole time, which was my goal of the run was to keep running the whole time. Um, and just, you know, uh, I I think mentally I needed that. Um, you know, we don't always have to, to run every climb, but you know, I, I, I felt like, I just, uh, you know, I hadn't done something like that in a while. And I think that's what happened today too. In the fart, like it was just, I wanted to push myself, uh, wanted to challenge myself and, uh, and, and see what I could do. And again, you know, I'm very pleased with the results. <clears throat> um, two weeks time, I'm going to be doing, uh, just a, um, a 50 K, um, not a race. I I'm, I'm going to do a local course, um, I, you know, I haven't decided yet. I, it really depends on the snow levels, you know, with what we have. Um, I would love to get over on the Hellbender course and see some of the trails just so I can see what, what's needed. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see as that draws closer as to, you know, what, what the conditions are. Um, so, um, 50 K coming up in two weeks. And then, um, you know, the plan is, uh, in March to do scar, uh, which is the Appalachian trail through the Smokies. Uh, starting at Fontana, and it basically runs over to uh, the Tennessee-North Carolina border of I-40, um, kind of by Mount Sterling. Um, so, uh, you know, a few challenges there. The uh, uh, Clingman's Dome Road uh, will not be accessible, um, you know, and the weather could be anything. So um, I may not have crew access points like I'm hoping to. Uh, so um, might be a few challenges. But, you know, uh, if I prepare adequately with my gear and, and uh, like I have been thinking on, I, I should be okay. Um, so I just don't want to put myself in, in any danger, obviously, or risk. So um, I appreciate uh, John for, you know, reaching out on my YouTube channel. I was talking about it on one of my videos, and uh, John was, you know, saying that that, that road is going to be closed. So I really appreciate that, John. Um, and uh, to that extent, I'm still doing a daily YouTube video, uh, trying to get it out every day. Um, <clears throat> so my YouTube channel, you, the link is in my uh, show notes if you want to subscribe. And I try to talk about training, um, you know, give you guys an oversight as to what I'm doing, how I'm doing it. Um, you know, it's a good place to see if you can, you know, pick up a tip or two uh, or ask questions. So if I go over something and you have questions, you can always reach out uh, either, you know, by leaving a comment on the video or, you know, by just emailing me, messaging me, however it's easiest for you. Same thing on Strava. Uh, I post all my stuff to Strava. So if you have questions there, don't hesitate to to comment and ask. Or if you don't feel comfortable uh, in that you know public platform, just privately message me. You know, I, I, I get messages on Instagram, uh, the Facebook Messenger, uh, email, totally fine. All that stuff is in my show notes as well. So don't hesitate to reach out. 
Um, with that said, uh, my uh, newsletter will be coming out for February. February is already next week, which, uh, oh, excuse me, um, two weeks. <laughs> so uh, that will be coming out soon. So if you're interested in receiving my monthly newsletter, it is free. Please uh, subscribe on my website, mrrunningpains.com. You'll see the subscription uh, link on there. Um, it comes out once a month, and I try to leave as many tips, reviews, everything that I can in there. Um, you know, it's, I try to just make it a, a free resource for everybody, um, just as I do with this podcast and many of the other things that I, I write or um, YouTube, you know, all that stuff. Um, so. Um, lots of stuff. I'm putting out as much content as I can. Uh, I certainly appreciate those that have um, supported me on Patreon. So if you can support on Patreon, it helps me do all this stuff. Um, as well as um, I should mention, the shoe scholarship is still open. So if anybody is in dire need, uh, you know they just don't have the uh, the money right now for a new pair of shoes, reach out to me. Um, I'd love to help out with that shoe scholarship. The Patreon helps me with that as well. So if you can support on Patreon, greatly appreciated. That link is also in my show notes and on my website. So thank you guys that do support on Patreon. You all are amazing. Um, and if you are sharing this uh, podcast, liking it, reviewing it, all of that stuff helps, obviously, as well. Um, just, you know, getting this into others' ears so they can hear, um, you know, what we go over, what we talk about. Um, I hope that it's impactful. Uh, I try to cover some topics in ways that will be understandable and meaningful and useful to everybody that listens. So um, I've really enjoyed having this capability to do this. Um, I hope you have enjoyed the episodes. If you have any questions, um, like I said, reach out. If you have comments, uh, things you want to hear, guests you want to hear, all that stuff, don't hesitate. Just let me know. I certainly appreciate that. Certainly appreciate all of you. And I've got some some great guests coming up, lined up. Um, I've got the ultra running guys. They're going to come on the podcast, and we're going to talk about mistakes that we've made in ultras and uh, ways we could have uh, worked around them, obviously, <laughs> what we've learned from, from our own mistakes in running so that you don't make them yourselves. So can't wait for that conversation. Um, that will we're recording on February 1st. Um, so um, I look forward to to talking with them and, uh, and putting that podcast out. Also, um, I reached out, uh, you know, same mutual friend, Mercedes, you're wonderful. Um, she, uh, connected me with Travis Macy. Travis Macy wrote the ultra mindset. Uh, you may have seen him on the eco challenge with his father. We're all going to do a podcast together. Um, Mercedes, um, my, you know, my really good friend, Morgan Elliott, um, Travis and his father, we're all going to do a podcast together. It should be pretty fun. Um, so that's going to be coming up as well. That's going to be mid February. So lots of things coming out. Um, love to do another episode with, um, my physical therapist, Miriam Saloom. So if you have any topics that you would like to hear about with Miriam, please let me know. Uh, she is moving locations right now. So, um, that probably give her some time to, <laughs> to do that and settle in to her new location. But, um, we'll be doing another episode with her cause I love, uh, sharing her wealth of knowledge and resources. Uh, so Anyhow, um, lots of stuff going on, guys. Uh, you know, keep up with me on social media. Uh, you'll see uh, what I'm doing, what I'm up to. Um, you know, so uh, again, thank you. I can't wait to uh, to have the next episode. Until then, keep running, my friends. <laughs>